This is Thinking Outside the Portfolio, and I'm Jordan Burgess, Senior Vice President and Head of Product and Practice Consulting at Fidelity Investments. I've been at Fidelity for almost three decades, and throughout my time here, I've learned the ins and outs of sales, technology, and managing large, diverse client bases and customers. Now I've had the opportunity to run an incredible group of subject matter experts, from people who focus on capital markets, to portfolio construction, to practice management, and asset class specialists. We look at thousands of portfolios a year and use a qualitative and quantitative measuring approach to see where markets are going and what it means for you. On this show, we'll take you to the cutting edge of the financial industry, helping hear the latest thinking for advisors as they help their clients put together portfolios in an ever-changing world. We'll look at different perspectives on the top issues we're facing, from volatility, active and passive management, to investing in developing economies. We'll discuss the best way to make connections with customers and across the industry. And we'll answer some of your most pressing questions about your job, how you can better help your clients. It's not just about working together, but productively working together. At Fidelity and on the show, we're about clarifying some common portfolio construction misconceptions and thinking differently about how to build portfolios. Today's myth is a single optimal portfolio for all investors. The one size fits all approach is out and probably for good. We'll hear why from today's guest, who also has ideas on what portfolio managers should do instead. Jake Weinstein, Vice President, Research Analyst on our Asset Allocation Research Team here at Fidelity Investments. Jake, thanks for being here today. Thank you, Jordan. Thanks for having me. So Jake and I have had the opportunity to work together for the past four or five years. Um, He's really an expert in this area and someone that my team relies heavily on and works closely with. Jake, maybe it's a little obvious to some people that there isn't an optimal portfolio for all investors, but let's back it up a bit. Where did that idea come from and how did it stick? Yeah, so this is something that you and I, as you said, have been talking about for several years. And it seems as if a lot of conversations I've had with people, they're like, what should I do? How much should I own of this, own of that? And a lot of it goes back to the financial way of like just how a lot of people have learned through getting their what they learned in, in college through finance classes or getting their MBAs, this idea of an efficient frontier. And there's an optimal amount of stocks and bonds that we're trying to basically get on that frontier. And that was kind of where everything started. But as you and I have kind of discussed it, like it, it, there's more to it than that. The world's a dynamic place. Things are moving around. Uh, yes, uh, returns going forward can be different than past returns. Volatility can be different. But like it was very difficult, I think, for people to kind of understand that. So to put everything in kind of a simple graph, you just think, where am I on the efficient frontier? And I think that's where it got started. And so as, as we think about that one optimal portfolio, you've talked to me in the past a little bit about time horizon um, and the importance of time horizon and that the efficient frontier really didn't account for that. Exactly. And, that, and as I said, like if you think about that, that graph of, of return versus uh, volatility, time horizon isn't on there. It's not three dimensions, it's two dimensional. And if you have conversations about what you should be doing about your portfolio, very often it's how long am I going to need to work to retire? How much money do I need to save in order to save for my kid to go to college? So time horizon is indeed extremely important. And the way we think about that at Fidelity's Asset Allocation Research Team, it's not just about long-term factors and short-term factors. We rather break it down into three different time horizons. There's the long-term secular horizon, which is driven by things like long-term demographic trends or productivity growth rates across countries across the world. 
And I think that is probably one of the most important things that people don't really think of enough about when thinking about that optimal portfolio. Rather, most of my conversations of people ask is about more of the shorter term things, things like what happened recently in the U.S. elections or about Brexit or, or more of these things that we see in the news that dominate our, our, our insights. But it's actually interesting. Those tactical short term things are the least important things that matter. But the third time horizon, which we do, which we think could add a lot of value, it's the business cycle. It's an intermediate term way to think about investing. It's about thinking of how things are getting better or things getting worse. And it's more of a way to think about over the next one to two years, generally, what do I expect the economy to do? And is there anything I can do to um, adjust my portfolio? And as you mentioned, none of these things I mentioned are on this uh, efficient frontier framework with just increasing return and increasing volatility. So when I hear you, when I hear you talk to our, our clients a lot, you talk about tell me what your time horizon is. One of the first questions I think you typically ask them is you describe, you think about it through those three lenses with an emphasis maybe on the business cycle and that three to 10 year uh, framework. Is that right? Absolutely. And so it's someone any after kind of the funny part about this is literally the trick to, uh, to a lot of the stuff I do. Anyone ever asked me a really challenging question and I'm not really sure I actually know what the exact answer is right away. I can answer it by saying it depends on your time horizon because right. if someone asks and I'm like, well, if you're thinking about what you should do, like, and the impact can be very important, whether you have a 20 year time horizon, a six month horizon, it may not matter over, over, over whether your time horizon matches. So that is really what, what matters. And, and I think uh, that's just kind of an integral way to kind of think about these types of things when it comes to portfolio construction. What are some of the factors that portfolio managers today should be worried about? Um, particularly in this new environment? Well, I mean, there's so many. Um, but again, it's, I think of that long-term secular uh, strategic asset allocation being the first and most important thing. Great. I mean, I could tell you about all the things that distract us, like geopolitics, the political cycle, all these things that do probably matter more so. But I'll start with a very simple one, which is one portfolio that's worked extremely well over the past 30, 40 years, really through the test of time, has been a balanced portfolio, 60% stocks and 40% bonds. And it's kind of interesting if you think about today, how low the level of bond yields are. If you think about how low the level of growth is expected to be in the US in developed markets compared to growth rates historically, that basically suggests that interest rates can stay very low for a significant period of time. And are you really gonna be able to get that same type of diversification benefits and yield advantages that bonds have offered you over the past 40, 50 years, because you haven't really given up that much in return over the long term by holding bonds historically, because in a 40 year period of falling interest rates, that's been very beneficial to bond prices. But at the starting points of yields now being so low, I think that's the most critical place to start in terms of thinking about what should you potentially be doing differently to a portfolio and is a broad-based portfolio of 60% stocks and 40% bonds enough? Great point. Um, but, you know, really think about where today's fixed income markets are. So do we have to let go of the idea of a 60-40? What's the next version of that? How, how, should, how should our advisors be thinking about that in today's, in today's market environment? 
Yeah, but again, it comes down to the myth. There's not one optimal portfolio for everyone. Uh, the 60-40 portfolio may have been optimal for many people historically just because it just did so well over any time horizon, short-term or long-term. But going forward, that may not be the case. So I think the way to think about this is what are the things that could um, change or impact the allocation going forward, how it's, things are different today than they were historically? And I alluded to some of them. But let's start with just the equity side of the portfolio. If growth in, say, developed markets is going to be less than 2%, I think our developed market aggregate growth number over the next 20 years outside the U.S. is 1% real growth, weakening demographics in, in Japan, really weak productivity levels in Europe. And if you start there, that just suggests if you start at a lower growth point, you're probably going to have a little bit lower of an equity return. So one way to think about how to juice that side up is maybe you need a little bit of a higher allocation to, say, emerging markets. Now, if you look at the fixed income side, uh, inflation rates are really low. Uh, yields are really low. But what if, say, all this debt that we have ultimately becomes inflationary? What if all this fiscal policy and monetary policy stimulus that we've had over recent months ultimately becomes inflationary? What if the last 40 years of deglobalization trends which are potentially reversing as we become more populist in the global economy, become more inflationary. And therefore, that suggests that maybe hold a little bit more exposure in assets that can be more diversified than just nominal bonds. And that could be something that's a little bit more like treasury inflation protected securities or real assets, real estate, different types of things that, that perhaps may, may not quantitatively uh, work well historically when looking at an overall portfolio, but looking forward, being prepared for all different types of horizons, different growth dynamics, different inflation dynamics, uh, thinking about all different types of potential investments that you could put in a strategic investment to help hedge those potentially unanticipated outcomes. Let me just uh, dig a little deeper on emerging markets. So it sounds like you think, again, on both potentially a in the business cycle time horizon and maybe the, the secular that emerging markets should be playing a bigger role in, in anyone's ideal portfolio. Yeah, no, I, I agree. There's, there's a lot of reasons right now, especially right now, that suggest that. So if you're familiar with, I mean, we've had this conversation before, but if you're familiar with Fidelity's asset allocation research teams research, our secular growth forecasts are favor emerging markets. Mm -hmm. They have a more favor, favorable demographic backdrop, higher productivity levels, more catch-up potential in terms of growth. Their equity markets at the current time have cheaper valuations relative to both the developed markets and the United States. And there's a lot of just growing exposure to the Chinese economy and a lot of what China's doing in terms of the race for 5G and their 2025 plan, their five-year plans, all these different types of things have really shown some pretty good promise in terms of just the relative growth rates between China and emerging markets relative to the U.S., and the third point on top of that is, again, thinking about if we become less globalized as an economy, then emerging markets should provide a better diversifying quality to an overall portfolio than potentially they have if you just look at over the last 10 to 20 years. So it sounds if I take the last few comments as though diversification remains a key part of any asset allocation strategy, but it sounds like it might be even more important than ever in, today, in today's environment. Is that a fair yeah, statement? Absolutely. Oh, no, that's, that's, that I think is the biggest takeaway from this, uh, it, this discussion because 
if bonds can't provide the amount of diversification they have historically because they can't fall, uh, they can't really do as much zigging and zagging with stocks as they did historically because the yields are so low, you've got to find different ways to diversify your, your, your portfolio, both on the equity side and the fixed income side. And, and I think all the theme, thematic themes I said in terms of inflation or emerging markets are just different ways to think about how to hedge those potential outcomes because uh, things are going great now. Maybe they look a little dicey early in the year, but uh, um, historically, over long terms of periods of time, volatility can ensue and it could be last longer than it has in recent time. And we just don't want to get caught shorthanded uh, and ignore that because it hasn't happened recently. So, Jake, you talk a little bit about volatility. That makes me think a little bit about how portfolio managers should be managing risk tolerance. Um, and if that's an important role, continues to be an important role, I should say, in building portfolios. Yeah, no, I, I think it does. The issue is how do you accurately get a client, a person's risk tolerance and very effectively and accurately construct their portfolio based on what they tell you? It's a lot easier to do it if you actually see what they've done and how they've reacted to volatility in the past. But you're, a lot of these kind of discussions are based on just word of mouth and just, just trust in whether somebody is actually going to behave based on the way they discuss things. So what we do is we incorporate uh, investor behavior into our portfolio construction process, prospect fee theory, loss aversion, um, a lot of these themes that... Um, I think are very important to do, but we also um, discuss the importance of those uh, with our clients when we talk to them, because if you are aware of your investor behavioral tendencies to potentially sell in periods of high volatility, hopefully you'll be less likely to do them when they actually occur, if you are aware of the fact that you are prone to do such a thing. Yeah, you and your team have done some really interesting work in that area, right? So I think a lot of, in a lot of cases... People are planning with a portfolio generally based on some combination of risk and retirement target age. Um, and that's really not enough. And Fidelity is in a unique position because of all the investors that we work with in the retirement business, the personal investments business, and across all Fidelity. To kind of look at that, that behavioral, uh, behavioral patterns in addition to that, could you talk a little bit about some of the work that Fidelity's done there that makes us unique? Yeah, so um, we are still, this is like probably right now one of the most important things that we're doing. It's a focus on from the top, personalization, customization, where's our edge? Um, we've released some stuff on this, but we have a lot of data to, to uh, analyze to figure out how we can get an edge from it comes to asset allocation. Uh, and it all comes from being our, the number one record keeper, um, in the in the country, having a lot of people's 401ks, and we're able to observe um, a, have a lot of data with different types of people in different industries, different ages, and 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 we can test what matters. Is it uh, somebody's gender, health, where they work, what type of company, what state, region they live, zip code? So we could we have a lot of interesting data that we can kind of run through different analyses. Um, and we're just in the beginning stages of these types of things. And you, you hit it straight on. And it's, I think it's just the, the future of investing because, again, um, investor behavior is so important. And having that data to actually see what type of person um, and how they react uh, is, is going to help them have a better uh, investment outcome. So if we're kind of just 
trying to think about this, round out a lot of this conversation for our listeners. Why is it so important, particularly now in today's market environment, to really let go of that idea that there's an optimal portfolio for everyone? Yeah, I mean, it's this year, especially 2020, uh, it's, it's so easy to think that nothing in the world matters to the markets because you had the sharpest maybe quickest recession in in history, maybe since the Great Depression. And then in less than three months, equity markets reached their peak. And we're just kind of at the present time of our discussion, the equity markets are are, are at or near their all-time highs. And it's easy to have recency bias to think that nothing could ever go wrong. And if that's the case, then you shouldn't worry about things. You shouldn't have to worry about maybe diversification or not worry about things that I mentioned like inflation. But if you look back through history, there are decade-long periods of, of times where things worked that hadn't worked in the pre- previous 10 years. And it's hard to pinpoint exactly what those are or when they are. And that's why we want to diversify. Diversification is so important and why one optimal, optimal portfolio based on time horizon is the approach that we take in order to try to solve these very complex problems. Jake Weinstein. Vice President, Research Analyst on Fidelity's Asset Allocation Research Team at Fidelity Investments. Thanks for chatting with me today, Jake. Uh, Thank you so much, Jordan. I appreciate it. On Thinking Outside the Portfolio, we love to bring you into the conversation. Our listener question this episode is about integrating the fundamentals of portfolio construction into your work. The question is, what resources can you suggest for constructing a robust portfolio? That's a great question, and I'll try to provide a brief overview of Fidelity's portfolio construction tools. I'd really categorize it into three areas. One is insights and thought leadership. So you heard from Jake today. We have a variety of thought leadership pieces and content, quarterly market updates, business cycle updates, and information on some of the myths and realities, like today's, that there is not one optimal portfolio. We also have a really interesting tool called Portfolio Quick Check that helps to easily diagnose in an immediate way your model portfolios and provide insights and ideas how you might make improvements there. And then we have a portfolio construction guidance team. That team is a group of experts that provide one-to-one consultative services to help advisors build better model portfolios. And then finally, we have a models business. We have over 21 different models that have been constructed by experts here at Fidelity for advisors that choose to use Fidelity as their source for model portfolios. All the information you need can be found at institutional.fidelity.com and everything I've just described. To our listeners, thanks for tuning in. Please join me for future episodes of Thinking Outside the Portfolio as we discuss the myths and realities of portfolio construction. Until then, I'm Jordan Burgess. Stay safe and be well. Information presented herein is for illustrative purposes only and is not a recommendation or an offer or solicitation to buy or sell any securities. Views are expressed as of November 2020 based on the information available at that time and may be changed based on market or other conditions. The opinions provided are those of the speakers and not necessarily those of Fidelity Investments or its affiliates. Fidelity does not assume any duty to update any of the information. Investment decisions should be based on an individual's own goals, time horizon, and tolerance for risk. 
Nothing in this content should be considered as legal or tax advice, and you are encouraged to consult your own lawyer, accountant, or other advisor before making any financial decisions. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Diversification and asset allocation do not ensure profit or guarantee against loss. Stock markets, especially foreign markets, are volatile and can decline significantly in response to adverse issuer, political, regulatory, market, or economic developments. Foreign securities are subject to interest rate, currency exchange rate, economic, and political risks, all of which are magnified in emerging markets. The risks are particularly significant for funds that focus on a single country or region. In general, the bond market is volatile, and fixed income securities carry interest rate risk. As interest rates rise, bond prices usually fall, and vice versa. This effect is usually more pronounced for longer-term securities. Fixed income securities also carry inflation, credit, and default risks for both issuers and counterparties. Fidelity Institutional Wealth Advisor, LLC, FIWA, is a registered investment advisor and an indirect wholly owned subsidiary of FMR, LLC. FIWA is the sponsor of the Fidelity Managed Account Exchange Program. Fidelity Institutional SM, FI, provides investment products through Fidelity Distributors Company, LLC, and clearing custody or other brokerage services through National Financial Services, LLC, or Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, members NYSE, SIPC. Institutional asset management services are provided by FIAM, LLC, or Fidelity Institutional Asset Management Trust Company. Personal and workplace investment products are provided by Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE SIPC. Reference number 952845.1.0.